I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. When you're rushing to become a CEO or have the job already and are just trying to stay on top of it all, the idea of a day off may be laughable at times. But securing a fair work-life balance can be an achievement in itself. So how's this for an idea? A four-day week. I did expect more people to be jumping from their chairs. I would, I do admit. Now, there was some of that, but I think people were genuinely kind of Reiki, have I really just heard this? Is this a real thing? Anne-Marie Lister is the chief people officer who led Atom Bank through a giant transformation in working practice. A trial at the end of 2021 was such a success, they decided to make it permanent following an increase in productivity and a lot of talent wanting to join a bank with barely a decade's history behind it. The week that we announced our trial, direct applications to the business um, for open vacancies we'd had increased by 500%. What got ground quick then? Yeah. <laughs> I'm David Marsden from The Evening Standard. Now, Amory will be appearing at the Water Cooler event, which is taking place alongside our SME Expo at XL London on April 25th and 26th. The Water Cooler has loads of speakers talking about employee well-being and workplace culture. Tickets are free. Go to watercoolerevent.com. So you'll be able to hear from Amory in person there. But for now, when I spoke to her, the first thing I wanted to know was, did you know this would be a success? Yes, I was quietly confident that it would be a success because we'd done a lot of research. You know, there's been a lot of research around 40 a week over the years. Famous studies in New Zealand, in Iceland. There have been studies in the UK where they've looked at the impact on environment. And if the research is to be believed, then I hoped that we would have a similar kind of impact on our own organisation. Now, coupled with having done lots of planning internally. So I didn't just take the research off the shelf and think, oh, we'll give that a go. You know, it really did take a bit of planning and organising internally in both looking across our operation, but also in working with our people to figure out what was going to work for them. So it was quite a detailed process. And because we'd done that, I had hoped we would be successful. But of course, there's always that little bit at the back of your mind thinking, hmm, I'm the one that's recommended this (laughs) what if it doesn't go well so going right the way back to the start though Amory how did that conversation actually begin who had the idea in the first place and how did you sell it 
So I guess it was against the backdrop of the pandemic. We were, as lots of other organisations were, kind of looking really inside our business to see, okay, what's the impact of that been? How are our people feeling? Um, They were telling us that actually their well-being wasn't as great. Stress levels were going up. And at the same time, we were looking at, well, what are our business metrics? How is our business performing? You know, if people are telling us that they're working longer and harder, that's not necessarily equating to the output put in our organisation that we would, you know, we would expect to see. And again, the great resignation was being talked about, you know, so we were really interested in seeing how we could evolve our employee value proposition. But the main thing we wanted to come out of the other side of the pandemic, like many other businesses, bigger, stronger and remain a sustainable employer. So these were the kinds of conversations that I was having with my chief executive. So he was talking to me around, you know, what are the possibilities? What can we do to kind of shift our employee value proposition that will benefit both our business and our people? And he started to talk about four day a week. And we had that conversation around, okay, you know, one of many things that we talked about. um, And I thought, "Mm, okay, this is interesting. And so, yeah, decided to kind of take that and some other ideas and options away to think about what might be possible for our business. So it came from a range of conversations that were happening in the business, um, but but looking at the possibilities, right? And truly looking at the possibilities because we wouldn't have landed at four day a week if we just thought, oh, that'd be too big and difficult to do. Nobody's done that before in the UK. So it's working within an environment, exploring possibilities to see actually what might fit. But it is, I mean, it's an enormous transformation of how the company works. How long was it between having those initial conversations and then telling the staff? Yeah, so I'd say the conversations that were happening between the chief exec and then we took them to the kind of senior management team were probably around June, July in 2021. Um, I then made the recommendation that we could start to do some planning around this, having done some research in September 2021, so a couple of months. And then we pressed the button fully on our trial in November. So from an initial conversation early summer to November, um, kind of early winter, the organisation had shifted in a trial period to a four day week. And that meant for us going from 37 and a half hours to 34 for same pay. We didn't take a reduction in pay, um, but people's days um, slightly extended by an hour if they wanted to work on it, you know, if they wanted that fifth day off. Um, so pretty quickly, really, when you're thinking about pivoting an entire organisation and we're a fully regulated bank as well. So, you know, these were huge considerations as we were planning and thinking, is this going to be possible? Um, bearing in mind, you know, we're a bank that operates 24 7 you know, our customers need to contact us between eight and eight every day. And we have to meet all of the needs of the regulator and our compliance requirements as a bank. So there was lots to consider. How did it go down with the staff? I mean, I expect a lot of them would be quite happy. But 
But were they? What kind of conversations did you have to have? So it's really interesting, right? I think when we started to kind of talk with this with the senior leaders in the business, I think there was a bit of support, a bit of disbelief in a sense of really, we'd be able, we'd go for this. And I think we announced it um, to the entire organisation in this September, I think, to say, we're thinking of doing this. We need you to work with us to make this a reality and give it a go and try it out. And I think I'd when I'd kind of made that, given that message, I did expect more people to be jumping from their chairs. I would, I do admit. Now, there was some of that, but I think people were genuinely kind of, Reiki, have I really just heard this? Is this a real thing? And, and I think actually on reflection, stepping back, it is watching people go through that change cycle, you know, that classic change cycle of excitement, disbelief, challenge and worry to think, oh my God gosh, how am I going to possibly fit five days work into four? What does this mean? To then realising through the planning process that it was a reality and a possibility to then actually the other side of the curve, you know, people really excited and, you know, the feedback we get from some in terms of how it's fundamentally changed their life, their working life and their personal life. So it is, it, it, it you know, and watching people go through that um, and trying to work with it while you do as well. So you can help people shift along that that cycle and continue to engage them in the process is really, really important. So there must have been a priority then for communication with the staff. Was it like, we want to do this, but let's talk about it first? Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are, I, I, I've talked about this in the past in the sense of I don't believe there is any leader or any business, the senior team that can stand up and can pertain to the fact that they have all of the answers. Some businesses you might think that they do and they might try and let you think that they do, but there isn't any leadership team that I've worked with that has all of the answers to everything in their business. And it was really important to me when we announced this as a change that our people have the answers. They were going to be the they, they were going to be the individuals, the people that could tell us if this could work or it couldn't. They knew the work patterns, they knew the content of their work and what enabled them to be productive and not and therefore engaging them in that process was key to the success of this you know there was no way I was going to be able to design shift patterns for 470 people I was asked the question <laughs> I'm really how are you going to design shift patterns for us all and I thought, I'm not. Um, but I think, you know, it's really key to the success, but key to empowering people and engaging people in not just the process, but figuring out within their day, where are the inefficiencies? And there are many, many inefficiencies, right? Um, so I think, you know, communication key in that and then making sure people are supported as they're finding efficiencies in their day. You know, that's good. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Deselect from going to that meeting or whatever it might be. But then also as well, getting that more personal and informal feedback around how are you feeling? How are stress levels? You know, what are your days like at work now? So I think keeping that open dialogue as well on a more personal level is really important. And we did that every month. We took a, a you know, we issued a survey every month. And um, but we also had things like drop in forums. We asked coaches and managers in the business to give us their feedback on what it was feeling like. Um, so a huge range of comms channels. 
I may be wrong here, but it sounds like you gave people the choice then. They could do this extra hour and then do four days or continue to do a five-day week. Yeah, again, at the beginning of our trial, we wanted this to be as inclusive as possible. You know, this is about flexibility as much as it is business productivity. Um, And we were well aware that people have different personal circumstances they have childcare responsibilities caring responsibilities and therefore to force a new fixed work work pattern on some people wouldn't have been fair or inclusive so yes we did say to people if it is better for you um you know to still work 34 hours to still take that drop for no reduction in pay but if it's easier for you to put that over five days that would be fine I would say 98% of people in the business opted to do it over four days and were able to flex their working day. We did ask that people kind of um, come to the business, whether that be virtually or in person, between core hours. So if people could be available for meetings between 9.30 and 4.30 with flexibility, you know, that would mean that as a, as a, as a business, we could still function. We had the right people in the right places at the right time. We could still make decisions. We could still move quickly on things that we needed to push forward from projects and programmes. And we could still maintain, you know, business output. I'm interested that you said the number of staff has grown since this because there is a huge fight for talent right now across all sectors. So I'm wondering if this has been a way for you to retain talent. I mean, you spoke earlier about the great resignation. Absolutely. And it was It was one of the considerations as we were planning this out. You know, it wasn't just, again, around business productivity. It was about well-being, but it was about actually how do we attract and retain people into our business? What will differentiate us and make us an appealing employer for people to come and join? So it was absolutely part of the consideration. It's really it's worked really well in that respect, funnily enough. Um, The week that we announced our trial, which was in November 2021, direct applications to the business um, for open vacancies we'd had increased by 500%. What had gone round quick then? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And this was in the depths of the great resignation and people moving on, you know, inflated salaries, particularly in the tech sector in which we operate and the finance sector as well. Um, And that's actually, I mean, it's stabilised since, but we're, we're running at around about 35% increase month to month um, on direct applications into Atom. And, you know, we we do see people kind of coming to us to say, I'd love to work a four-day week, but we have just as many people, if not more, saying to us, such an innovative, you know, you, 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 you're such an innovative employer. And if you consider things like this, both for your business and for people, what else might you be working on and what else might you be doing? And therefore, I really want to work for a company that's forward thinking. So, you know, it really is kind of demonstrating back to the outside world, you know, what's really important to Atom. You know, we wanted to change the status quo in the banking sector, but actually we want to change the status quo in terms of working practice, you know, and work life for people because it is antiquated in parts as well. So it really does demonstrate who we are throughout everything we do. 
Let's do those ads. Pop over to watercoolerevent.com to get those free tickets for April 25th and 26th. There's more than 100 inspiring speakers along with workshops and the exhibition. And you can go to the SME Expo too, where this show will be recording a live episode with Crept and Sasha, the founders of Nala's Baby. We'll see you after these. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So we've talked about the impact on the bank and its staff, but the other side of this is the customers. What did they make of all of this? Did you get feedback from them? So we didn't actually announce to our customers necessarily that we were going to move to a four-day week because um, the service that they were receiving shouldn't have changed. So they wouldn't actually have known unless it was, you know, unless it was picked up in the media at the time, because actually that was the success of the trial. We didn't just want to maintain service. We wanted to even improve service. Um, so, you know, our window 88, which is where our contact centre and contact uh, a customer service centres run would remain and we'd still operate seven days a week so the customer would not feel any difference in that respect and that was really important in the trial in that if there was any customer detriment any detriment to regulation or compliance or if we found that actually it was having the reverse that an impact on our employees that we didn't expect that actually we would stop the trial and we would go back to five days a week But our customers actually, in the last 18 months, our customer metrics have gone from strength to strength. Um, So our trust pilot score is 4.7. So our customers are getting an incredible service from us still, because I honestly believe happier and healthier employees can equal happy customers, which in turn equals great business. So it really is a virtuous circle with challenges and bumps in the road, but it really is a virtuous a circle, I think. All right. Well, let's talk about those challenges, Emery. Did it go right from day one? Of course it hasn't. <laughs> the planning that we did, however, um, was really important in that because, you know, as we've said, we're a regulated bank. We have absolutely commitments to customers. So we took around six weeks in doing that detailed planning. So each head of department took away a plan, a, a template on which they planned out how they would operate 
their function over four days. What would that look like? So we knew within that planning and we'd had time to challenge, to ask questions, to raise any risks and material risks that we thought might come out of this. We had that in that planning time. So, you know, we thought actually we were good to go in November in that there weren't going to be any material risks to our business or our customers. However, of course, there are bumps in the road. And I think it, we checked in every month with department heads to come back with their learning. And um, we tracked productivity metrics within each function as well. Now, these metrics were different from function to function because what I tracked from the people team and productivity of my own team and the work that we do is very different to the contact centre. And that's very different to the department, the process mortgages. So we had some good metrics to track to track. But interestingly, some of the challenges were the service levels that we offered each other internally as a business. So one department saying, actually, I picked up the phone on Friday and there wasn't anyone there to answer my query. Now, that hasn't had a fundamental or detrimental impact to the customer, but it's not great. So actually, we took you know the next three to six months to look across. Actually, how do we improve that? How how do we increase communication across functions and remind ourselves that there are as many internal customers as there are external customers? But again, you know, we could have fallen, you know, some departments could have said this just isn't working for me. But the mentality that we have and the want to make this work, it really increased conversation, communication and, you know, working together to overcome these challenges. And and I think it brought the organisation closer together in that respect with a deeper understanding of business processes across departments. And so, you know, even within that, you're improving your business. other challenges where you have smaller teams and it's difficult to plan coverage from Monday to Friday or Wednesday to Sunday, whatever the shift pattern is in your in your department, and um, was a bit of a people were feeling the pressure. Um, you know, when we started the trial to really kind of get into sync of how that might work, um, which packages of work and pieces of work were vital that couldn't be dropped and which could be deprioritized. I think when you start or when you embark on something like this, it's really important to remind people inside the business and externally with suppliers, you know, it's not an overnight thing. This is a learning piece as much as it is improving your business. You know, we're unwinding over 100 years of working practice of five day a week. It's not going to be an overnight success. So when you know, we talk to people around, when we hit bumps in the road, let's figure it out because it's going to take us a little while to get used to a new working practice. And I think once you have people on side with that, then no matter how big the challenge is, people are willing to work together to overcome them. And one final question that we uh, we always ask our guests on how to be a CEO. Can you think back to your very first job interview? And can you imagine going back there right now through the magic of podcasting and you've got 30 seconds to tell your past self one bit of advice? What would you say? Believe in yourself. You have lots of strengths and qualities um, that can be used and transferred to many different things. Um, So don't put yourself in a box. Don't let anybody else put you in a box and believe in yourself. Um, You know, I've tried... 
I've put myself throughout my career in different scenarios and different situations. And I've ensured through a lot of my career that I've, you know, put myself outside of my comfort zone because I don't believe that you can actually achieve great things for yourself, but also the businesses that you're in, if there isn't a little bit of kind of um fear in some respect you know I would say feel the fear and do it anyway and I think you know four day a week is a classic example of that certainly from a personal perspective because you know if I said that I wasn't a little bit kind of nervous about the fact of well we've you have the business case signed off we've done the planning oh my gosh next week we're all going to be working a four day a week if I you know I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a little scary and it was on my head (laughs) but you know look what we've achieved since um so I think yeah believe in yourself trust in your own strengths don't put yourself in a box or let anybody else put you in a box and and feel the fear and do it anyway and maybe would you whisper one day, Anne-Marie, you're going to make a four-day week for hundreds of people. Just keep going. You imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, don't be crazy. <laughs> that was Anne-Marie Lister from Atom Bank. For more interviews, news and analysis, the Evening Standards business pages are the absolute best. Pick up the newspaper or go to standard.co.uk. How to be a CEO is back on Monday. We'll see you then. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.